This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. And a massive warm welcome to my review of Amazon Prime's very new documentary titled Flight Risk. This is a documentary that takes a look at aircraft manufacturer Boeing and what happened in the past couple of years, their negligence and also a whole lot more that resulted in the passing of 346 people and the uncovering of many different issues at the company. What does need to be mentioned is this is the second documentary slash film that has been released this year alone documenting Boeing. The first one being Netflix's downfall, the case against Boeing. There is a review on the channel and also on streaming platforms if you are interested in hearing that out. I watched this only a couple of days ago, so my thoughts are very raw and I compiled a list of notes. This is going to be very similar to my review on the chaos at Qantas where I was discussing the Four Corners report, but of course this time we're taking a look at the past couple of years at American aircraft manufacturer Boeing. The documentary began with JT610, of course the first aircraft that went down, that being a Lion Air 737 MAX 8. One of the key focuses and premise of this specific area was reaffirming that the MAX was a safe aircraft by the CEO, and this was a picture that was painted throughout the duration of the documentary, which ran for just over an hour and a half, I think around about the region of 98 minutes. So quite a lengthy watch, but it had a lot of information in there, and also I think set a tone that maybe wasn't as present in Netflix's downfall, the case against Boeing, and that is a massive focus on the people, and humanizing these incidents probably better than what Netflix did, putting faces behind those crashes that we did witness. At the end of the day, while the aircraft went down, we did lose hundreds of people. Being able to better understand what the families have been going through, I think, has definitely made the situation even worse than it was already before. Beginning, as I mentioned, a lot of it was about recapping the 737 MAX being grounded and the difficulties experienced on those supply chain workers losing out on positions and much more in a very, very difficult period to begin with. And again, the impact on families was really discussed in the early stages. The struggling to find those remains and also the inability to go to the site with very, very much last minute notice and communication being incredibly poor with these families that were attempting to go to the sites where these incidents did take place, that being for both JT610 and for ET302. Now, there are two sides to the case, the liability case, proving Boeing did something wrong to essentially hold them accountable, and then the second thing is compensation. Life can't be measured in terms of money, that was something that was reiterated in this documentary, but that is obviously how the law measures it, in terms of money, and the compensation from Boeing is they have to recognise the significant loss of life, which did take a long time for them to accept, but also publicly come out and express their heartfelt condolences. 
survivors. Again, the documentary did a very good job at trying to make those that lost their lives people again, rather than numbers. Uh, you do that by finding the essence of the person, and this is something that people that were working on the investigation did. They learned the essence of each and every single person that lost their life during these catastrophic events and instead of just looking at it as in 300 plus people passed away it's looking at the implications that those passings have on the families something that was very much talked about is how a lot of people from the ethiopian airlines crash supported their family and now the effects it has on the wife the kids and the wider family as well there was a really strong focus again on the effects of the specific family members we had people from parents wives husbands and and much more and i think what again was reiterated is it can be a very emotionally draining case and one of the biggest issues is a person from the united states can get 10 times the compensation from someone out of the u.s can get so therefore it's a very very long fight but it's something they're trying to work towards improving and a lot of these people are not interested in the money there's nothing that can bring back the losses they've experienced but of course, it's doing them justice in some way, shape or form. Dominic Gates featured in the documentary, a very, very respectable aviation journalist and someone you should definitely be checking out in terms of his work. You can find him on Twitter and for his work, of course, at the Seattle Times. He was playing a very prominent role in the case and has won many awards thanks to his coverage and reporting, which is absolutely exemplary and probably some of the finest reporting that I've seen. Again, he was featured throughout the documentary and we really followed his story of covering what had happened from very much the early stages to when the plane was eventually reapproved and, again, took to the skies. He made it very known that the 737 MAX case is no doubt one of the biggest cases in the aerospace industry he has seen, but it's therefore very, very competitive in its nature, and being able to find the right information and so much more can be quite difficult. The MAX crashes are what was best described by many people as the end point of the McDonnell-Douglas merger. Now, the McDonnell-Douglas merger was definitely highlighted a lot more in Netflix's special, and I did discuss this more in depth there, so I'll just briefly touch over what I what I talked about and how the merger with the McDonnell Douglas and a lot of those people coming on definitely changed the culture at Boeing in probably a more negative aspect, and a lot of people described the two incidents as really the tipping point, and I guess the result of so many years of neglect issues and much more. The people from there came with a different mentality. They basically harvested the money from other areas, and the new management sold Wall Street a vision, and Wall Street bought it. However, under intense competitive pressure from Airbus, with them of course building new planes in Europe, American Airlines were about to seal a huge deal for 200 of the A320neos, that being of course a rival to the 737, and given American Airlines being a legacy customer, and the idea that they would be losing market share to Airbus, well it was a major event, and what could Boeing do to be able to, I guess you could say, win back their interest? Well, designing a new plane. Well, that's what they were originally doing, but they needed to speed up the process. How do you do that? Well, they modified their 737 to make it the MAX, and it's a lot easier, as I'm sure you're aware, to get an already existing yet updated aircraft quicker and also certified by producing the newer plane. And if they're looking to move to Airbus, well, now Boeing can pitch their new aircraft, and the idea and the idea of not needing to retrain pilots is a major benefit, and that is something that has been heavily, and I want to once again say heavily discussed throughout this Amazon Prime documentary, Flight Risk, is reducing time and costs wherever possible. And of course, in the aviation space, well, as I'm sure you know, that can be incredibly detrimental.
This review is powered by Ridge. They sent me one of their premium wallets for use, and I've been loving its size. Being so compact, it has allowed me to carry my goods very easily, and also in small pockets, or not. It's also great for travelling, alongside a passport, a phone, and all the other items we stuff in them while travelling. Thanks to RFID, you know you're safe when in large crowds, and of course around the world. With a rugged design, it also makes it feel like the most premium, yet also not walleted experience you'll have and with room for up to 12 cards and cash it's a brilliant alternative ridge offers their wallets in a host of colors and styles and you can use the link in the description and with the coupon code dj's aviation get 10 percent off your next purchase with ridge the company is also having a giveaway with every dollar spent before september 30th allowing you to be entered into this giveaway to win a ford bronco or seventy-five thousand dollars Quality issues were something that were found on the floor and many employees voiced their concerns to general managers, the chief executive and more, but I guess all the problems stemmed when they were trying to ramp up production of the Max to better compete. You have to do everything right when you are building these planes, and the pressure to produce because of Airbus, well, it led to Boeing not doing it quick enough. The Max was very successful though, being one of their fastest selling jets. Therefore, it is incredibly important and fundamental to the long-term success of Boeing. A lot of people inside Boeing, and I can definitely confirm this from the people that I've had the chance to speak to, is they had never seen so much pressure on the floor than during this period of production for the MAX. Of course, it was a successful aircraft, but the upper management wanted that plane pumped out as soon as possible, and therefore mistakes were being made, and the planes were being rushed off. Employees felt the strain, and ultimately it became a perfect storm, where they just can't keep up, as you would probably expect. Imagine if you're cooking some food, and instead of doing it very slowly, you're cooking it very quickly. Well, the chances are, some part of it may come out raw. Maybe you might burn it, or you might miss putting in, say, a crucial ingredient that then of course changes the course of the meal that you're going to have to what it should be tasting like but imagine applying that to an aircraft and the difference being 300 or 100 or 200 people jumping on board that said specific flight of course two very very similar examples but two totally different outcomes what a lot of whistleblowers said is the people needed a chance and while people wrote to the board of directors and so forth the communication just wasn't there and despite people voicing their concerns nothing was really getting through and going up against Boeing is something that is tough and this was mentioned in the documentary they've retaliated against those that have gone against the company in the past quite severely and that means that for some people that are viewing this from afar inside the company and are voicing their concerns there's not a whole lot they feel they can do many people and again one of the whistleblowers did very much discuss this Many people were seeing the issues, but were too scared to speak up. At one point, though, this whistleblower said he just had enough and he needed to say something for the greater good, even if it would cost him his entire career. Of course, he's not now able to work in the aerospace sector. The factory was best described by him as being chaotic, dangerous, and just disarray. He demanded specifically that the FAA were to go in thoroughly and investigate the factory. However, while the MAX was grounded, they continued to say that there was nothing wrong and the factory conditions didn't play a factor into the two downed planes. Boeing said after the first incident, it was a one-off, but the second report was seemingly identical and that's when I think people started to know that there was a lot more to this than it just being a one-off. 
Market pressures were also something that was very present. Boeing were resistant and kept talking about an investigation. Their CEO testified at the time, saying it was pilot error. But the thing is, the pilots did not actually have a chance when you take a look at what happened inside that aircraft. There was definitely a lack of accountability and the easy way out of blaming the pilots that have now passed away. And everyone, including myself and I think many others, were astonished that they kept saying this, especially after we learnt and continued to see more about what MCAS was all about. MCAS was a new flight control software that had been added and a flaw in it had caused the crash with the AOA sensor. But as told by Dominic Gates, learning about the MCAS was incredibly difficult. Boeing did a very good job at hiding it because when they first built the 737, they wanted a short jet and they wanted people to get on and off with stairs. So it was built low to the ground with those unique engines you see on some of the older planes that are now 40 plus years of age. However, two new engines for the MAX, well, they'd be dragging on the ground. So they put the engines forward and up and the sensor feeds the flight control computer. And then, of course, we see the MCAS swivel and the tail will then be pushed down to correct the angle of attack and I guess the combat of it. But the system was too strong and before the first incident, the pilots were fighting a system that they didn't know about. The first pilot on the Lion Air incident pulled the controls 26 times and it was a roller coaster therefore up and down. Boeing claimed that they try not to overload their crews with information that isn't necessary once the audio recordings were released but the reality is one single cascade of failure can go onto all areas and it can result in a plane going down. At the end of the day I think when you're flying a plane and as a pilot you don't want information withheld you want to be in full control of the airplane that you're flying and if that means learning about MCAS and that needing to be changed then that's the best course of action. As best described by many captains, it's a sudden, violent, terrifying event. There's bells, warnings, and clackers, and the failure wasn't the pilots, it was the failure of Boeing, who never were informing on the aircraft's features. How do people making decisions live with themselves and how do they sleep? The families cannot sleep and their lives are ruined forever. Something again very much mentioned on the side of the families that was again very much focused. We went on a journey with them from the very early stages to the thorough investigation and we tracked a couple of them especially. We saw them go to the United States to go to trials and put a face to the name and, and really hit home on the emotional standpoint as well. And I guess putting more pressure on those Boeing executives. But the reality is they didn't really fold. While Boeing said they were sorry for the lives that were lost, their arguments were they've informed everyone how to handle it and that a software fix is coming. But when you think about it, that's ridiculous. Pilots just can't be retrained in 30 minutes, and this was again said in that documentary. But Boeing remained confident in the safety of the 737 MAX. It's easier to blame it on specific things when there are easy answers. Certain things, however, Boeing continued to not address. The MCAS system thought the pitch was higher, the angle of attack sensor was faulty, and then therefore the aircraft's nose was pitched down. It makes you think if other aircraft have the exact same issue with the sensor as per one of the family members. Whistleblowers have also continued to step forward from inside Boeing. It's been a continued trend, and that's how many have learnt about what's been going on on in Boeing and I have a video on the channel from many many years ago actually getting the chance to speak to someone at Boeing and learn more about the culture when of course they were at their severe lows. People though can get in massive trouble for doing this and Boeing weren't taking any employees seriously. That's why the whistleblowers went public. Thousands of people at Boeing continue to keep their mouths shut but like I said at the beginning of this review people needed to step forward especially in such a critical industry where lives are at risk on a constant basis. 
People had been angry about how management had been running the company into the ground, but the goal was to sign off on things as soon as possible. That goes back to the speed, cost savings, and of course the market competition they were experiencing from Airbus. Families, again, a very, very heavy talking point, but they were able to connect around the world for all the wrong reasons, but they're now a family, a family that they didn't choose to be a part of, but one that is incredibly important to each and every single one of them. The lives of the families of the victims have not, though, moved an inch for months on end. The fight for their legacy is to have it never happen again, and putting a face on those crashes has been critical thanks to the families. They've had focus from the US government and Boeing pretty heavily, and I think are definitely doing a good job there. Although, even after the 737 MAX has been approved, their battle continues. What was very interesting from a whistleblower is a comment one of Boeing's executives made when he discussed some of the issues he was seeing, and he compared it to a military aircraft, and that being, why would you let a military aircraft with all these flaws fly? And he said, military isn't a profit-making business, which again, is very, very, very concerning of a, of a comment. Employees also never saw FAA employees being visible and present, and it highlighted a little bit how Boeing were very much certifying their own planes as time progressed. Complacency within the industry is very dangerous, but I want to reiterate that for anything. Complacency in life is not a good way to go about it, whether that be your studies, whether that be something as simple as driving and or cooking. When you become complacent, that's when stuff starts to happen. And of course, in an industry where there's such an importance on safety, if you become complacent, issues are going to slip through and maybe you'll be lucky and nothing will happen from those cracks. But I assure you one day they will. And again, the two incidents really are the epitome and I guess the top of that mentality. During the interview, examples were given uh, they were unable to finish sentences, and this led and begs the question of if the FAA did know, but they didn't know how to do it, or if they didn't know, but just thought it was inexcusable and weren't sure what to do. 45,000 FAA employees and 1,600 in the building very, very close, but only five people were assigned to take a look at the factory that was only just down the road, according to the said whistleblower. He thinks that more importance could have been placed and a more thorough investigation with more manpower should have happened. He also said that Boeing will be cutting corners always to get a competitive edge. Sometimes the corners they cut can result in people passing. Unless MCAS was adjusted, we learned of a report that 15 total aircraft in the MAX family would crash in its lifespan. A very important report, and a lot of people asked why didn't they just act when they knew about that, but they waited for another plane full of people to crash. It was a very much a shock decision, and no doubt the wrong one. What was also mentioned by the said whistleblower is it shouldn't be so hard to get people to do their jobs, however it seemed to be the case. Again, I think a very interesting comment, and and com moving completely away from the aviation side of this, a, a pretty funny comment when you apply it to many different things, because as you do become an adult and you do go into the workspace, something you notice is people just don't know how to do their, their jobs, and um, it can be very, very difficult to deal with. And I think if you speak to maybe your parents or you are working in the industry at the moment or you're just working in day-to-day -day life, I guarantee you that many people you deal with on a daily basis just seemingly cannot do their position. So when that one person comes through that is brilliant at it, you appreciate them and hold on to them for dear life. But that doesn't change the reality that so many people are incapable of doing their position their position to the standard that probably is accepted. They'll always do the bare minimum, and maybe that is how we are as humans. I mean, I am definitely the same, and sometimes I will not do as much as I should be doing. But I think it's a very interesting point in regards to the FAA. 
The first flight back was, of course, massive for Boeing, and there was the argument that it was a PR and publicity stunt. I think that's probably maybe a weaker argument. The aircraft did eventually need to be certified, and they did take a very long time to get to that point. Of course, we like to think that it is safe now when it is in the skies flying safely with everything adjusted. I wouldn't necessarily say the first flight back was a PR stunt. From my memory, it was kept very much under the wraps, um, bar, of course, the head of the FAA being on board and flying the aircraft. Boeing and the government did craft, though, an announcement eventually that said they were responsible because of the bad apples, but not the senior management. So people under the management were now being left as scapegoats, a very much continued theme throughout. And what was mentioned by Dominic Gates from the Department of Justice is that senior management really didn't do anything, and they were going out of their way to make this known as senior management went off scot-free and arrived back with their huge salaries. Of course, while some departed, they were given huge bonuses, which is a bit of a kick in the face to the families impacted. Another thing that was mentioned towards the end is Max flights were initially much cheaper to fly on, sometimes hundreds and hundreds of dollars, notably occurring with American Airlines when it returned to service with that airline. People want Boeing back to where they are, and that's where the story was left, and that's where I think I will leave this. People want that Boeing culture back. Is that changing? 100%. Can Boeing return to being one of the greatest engineering companies in the world? Yes, everyone can. Anyone in the position they once were has that opportunity. It's not something that will come overnight. It's something that will take a lot of time, the regain of the trust, and again, implementing a culture where people can be proud of what's going on at Boeing. The people that work at Boeing can be proud. With various leadership changes, that is well on its way to being proven, but there's still a long way to go, and it's not going to say have happened in the last couple of years. We still have some time to go. But again, Boeing is a very, very important company, and I'm going to be following them closely as the years continue. Of course, whether that be through the ups or the downs, hopefully ending at a point where, again, like I said, Boeing can go back to being the greatest engineering company in the world, because I think that's what a lot of us would absolutely love to see. I know that for a fact. This has been my review on Amazon Prime's flight risk documentary and just a general discussion. Overall, a great documentary. I think, though, this should probably be the last one on the topic. I think we've definitely not necessarily exhausted the story, but in terms of a visual representation, I think we've covered everything that needs to be covered, and I'm not too sure whether there's room for another angle. I think this one did a brilliant job at really getting onto the emotional side, and then Downfall, the case against Boeing, did a great job at discussing the investigation. So they both had their pros, and they both had things that they lacked, but at the end of the day, if you put them together, you get a very, very nice representation of what took place. With that being said, thank you very much for watching my review and and listening at the same time. I do greatly appreciate it. If you have any thoughts or if you have taken the time to watch it, let me know below in the comments as I'd be very interested to hear your take. Thank you so, so much. Once again, your support is greatly appreciated. Do take care, do be safe, and stay tuned for more aviation content coming very soon. And a very warm welcome to your destination. Please keep your seatbelt fastened for the following. This has been the DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation, from news to incredible stories detailing trips worldwide. Leave a review and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. For Onward Connections, check us out on Twitter at DJ's Aviation or the show notes to join our partner Discord server, see the website, and more. And we'd like to thank you sincerely for listening. 
and we look forward to seeing you back on board shortly for another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast.